Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at CelebrationORL.org. Well, 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 we are in our final episode of the new season. Well, I guess it's not new anymore, no. but after the message, welcome folks. If you're stumbling along this podcast, you are on the Celebration Church Orlando podcast, and this is a segment we like to call after the message. And if you listen to the segment, you can repeat that now because I say it every time <laughs> the exact same way. <laughs> this is simply a continuation of our conversation from the previous Sunday sermon. And if you've been following along, we are in a series called Deconstructed, where we're looking at what happens when faith and doubt intersect. And today I'm joined by the one who presented the Word of God this past Sunday. I'll just go ahead and uh, nix the pastor part because I know. Yeah, it's weird. Lindsay Brenner, (laughs) how are you? I am well. Very feeling much better now that we're on this side of the message. So this is the more relaxed um, environment. So I'm down for that. Yeah, we were just talking about your preparation a little bit off air. Yeah. Give a little insight. It was a crazy week. As I think I'm learning now, anytime Pastor Keith asks us to speak, that week is going to be a hard week. Mm. (laughs) And it'll be it'll be a different kind of hard. But uh, yeah, it was a hard week. And so I did not really have a ton of time to put the energy toward not only mentally, but physically being super pregnant, not super pregnant, but Mm. I'm well, I'm well into the pregnancy. So not until Saturday was I able to formulate everything mm-hmm. in like one cohesive flow. So, yes, it was a little bit chaotic this past week, but I'm glad it's done. <laughs> glad it's over with and we're on the other side. Can you uh can you kind of speak cuz I actually was going to ask you that question for someone who maybe has never spoken like that not necessarily public speaking but specifically preaching or Mm -hmm. teaching out of the of the word of god like can you give us a a hint or an insight into what that is like when you're preparing throughout the week yeah i mean obviously i only know my experience but my experience it's um it's scary um i have a lot of um I mean, I think it's a good thing, but it feels like a very heavy burden. And it's not just um, it's not just when you have to go up there and speak. It's the week or as far as, you know, as you know, when you have to speak about it, I think it's just constantly ruminating in your head. Like, what do you want me to say, God? And that's like not an easy thing, especially when I'm used to the type of relationship with God that it's like, okay, it's him and I, he speaks to me. I know it's for me. And now when you have to speak in front of a congregation, it's okay. Let's think about, is this what you want me to speak to them? Or is this something you're revealing to me? And so that's kind of a hard process. It's a new process. I'm sure um, the more reps somebody has, you get a little bit better at it, but I think weighty is the best descriptor for it. And so I think it's just really weighing and measuring. Is this something that is my thought or is this something that you want me to share? And then as you're deep in it, there's lots of revisions that come, but um, I don't know. That's, I think, the hard part. It's looked different every time I've prepared. Um, I do a lot of journaling in the process, which is mm. kind of my way of processing through my own thoughts. 
and then and then looking you know comparing to what I'm studying in the scripture and making sure that not only does it line up but that it makes sense and that it actually can lead towards um, what I believe God's asking me to share so it's kind of like a weird process but I'm sure you have a similar your own unique process but that's how Mm -hmm. I go about it yeah and your behind the scenes look I was supposed to be preaching that day so you were a little bit (laughs) I was a little salty about it but (laughs) yeah I was I was I was like jokingly salty about it and then when I had the week I had then I was just not salty at you but I was just like (laughs) really so yeah but I'm glad it came together and that it's Tuesday today so I've had a couple days to exhale Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was good and I think it was a great conclusion to what we've been talking about um the the topic of deconstruction and obviously the the title of the message uh brought this whole topic full circle but i kind of want to go back to the beginning planning stages of this when we were kind of thinking and praying through is this something we need to bring before our church how do we bring it before the church like what were your initial thoughts when the idea was posed by pastor keith like hey i'm reading this book called after doubt um which by the way if you haven't listened to uh, the podcast uh, from a few weeks ago uh, we did interview the author uh, dr aj swoboda uh, the author of after doubt which was kind of the catalyst for uh, this series uh, but I would encourage you to a read the book and also listen to the podcast with Dr. Swoboda. But initially, what were you thinking? What was your vision? What were you hoping to see? Did we accomplish it? That's a big question. Um, I was excited when we first started the conversation, primarily because I've witnessed in my my own life with my own friends and family members, people have walked through different ideas and processes of deconstruction and done you know, I think maybe poorly or maybe without support. And so I loved the fact and was excited about the fact that we're going to take it on as a church and we're just going to do our best to topically break down what this can be, how you can do it with God, how your church can support you in the process. So I was definitely very excited. I think um, we probably could have added more weeks to it, (laughs) if I were to be honest. Um, But I think considering the time limitations and the weighty topics. I think, I think we did a good job with it. I'm, I'm happy with um, the heavy topics we talked about. I, I pray that everybody, and then also the additional resources that we supply that I, I really hope that people don't just listen, but maybe re-listen and that the Holy Spirit would help them know, like if they're in this process, how to take their next step or what resources are out there. Um, and not just let it stop at the Sunday messages or not let it just stop at, hey, we've concluded the series, but they realize this is a this is a series and all the resource in, included in it is something that they can bookmark so that maybe they're not in that process now, but maybe something happens down the road and they're in a situation and that they can refer to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we did our best with such a big thing. What's something that you maybe have, had a shift in perspective on in terms of deconstruction, if at any, or maybe something has been confirmed that you thought about before. Cause to be honest with you, I hadn't really given this idea much thought. 
yeah. or even knew what to call it. So is there anything throughout the past few weeks that we've covered that, again, maybe you've had change shift in perspective on? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing was whenever I heard the word deconstruction, it honestly was taboo to me. I think the way I perceived that was basically you're going to end up on the other side of it not following God because everywhere I'd seen it used or referred to has always been, you know, on the other side, I'm more enlightened and I no longer need God. And so I tended to view it that way as well as if I heard somebody say that that was kind of a process they were in, immediately it freaked me out. Um, and I personally had not gone to my own season. I've, I've had plenty of questioning, doubting seasons, but I would never have labeled them as deconstruction because a, the word's kind of taboo to me, but B, I, I think it's been more recent that this is a word, but we hear a lot. So I think what has been the most eye-opening for me is that A, it's healthy, um, and that we should always be in this process, not necessarily always deconstructing, but looking, and um, I mentioned it on Sunday, like we need to be seeing what what do we believe and why do we believe it and put it up against the word of God because we are humans and it's natural as we walk through this life that we're picking things up along the way that that does not actually line up with the truth of God's word. And if you're not in that state of looking back and, and really just assessing, you may have absorbed something that God never intended. And I think that's what gets people in trouble. Um, you know, I could see that even being the result of sometimes some of my friends when they've struggled with churches, it's because the things that were being put on them by the church or even self added were these things that were never in line with God's word and mm-hmm. who he is. So that's been a healthy thing for me so that I don't look at it as so taboo for my friends, for my family members, but also for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that, um, you know, a lot of times we'll we'll look at our lives or we'll look at deconstruction in uh, people's lives around us and they come out with, okay, I figured it out, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I figured out what I need to know. I'm enlightened. I don't need God anymore. And I think if I'm looking at the story of the prodigal son, it's kind of that way. He kind of, mm-hmm. you know, what you mentioned about the context of him asking for okay I want my inheritance I don't really need you for that anymore (laughs) when you were studying this narrative is there anything new that kind of jumped out to you from the story Um, because growing up in church and obviously you've worked for the church for how many years now I think 15 15 I stopped counting very well (laughs) yeah I think 15 <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, you've probably heard someone preach on the prodigal son a yeah. hundred times, but was there anything fresh from the story? Yeah, honestly, if I were being really honest, I had not like referenced the prodigal son narrative in the Bible in a long time, like personally just studying it. Um, I think the biggest, there was a couple of things and that's why originally I think um, I was just going to talk about the younger son, but as I was like digging in, I was realizing, wow, like I just saw this parallel between how the father chose to engage with both both of the sons. And I just, I had seen that in a new perspective this time studying and how 
he knew them so well that the way he chose to pursue them and relate to them was so specific, but it was really, really beautiful for mm-hmm. where they both were. And um, just really let me see the father's heart in a different perspective because when I've always heard it, I've always heard it highlighting the, su- the younger son's experience which is a valid one, which is a really beautiful one and important for us to know. But when you see the other side, for somebody like me who's been following God for so much of my life, it really challenged me. It really made me think, how how have I acted or am acting like this older son and God just wants to be in right relationship with me? That was a big one. And then the other thing that I thought was pretty eye-opening that I felt like God revealed to me through this studying was... I've always thought that the narrative was supposed to help me be was I was supposed to look at myself like the father. And as I studied it, I really felt like it was the opposite, that I was just supposed to understand, look at the father, see what the father's doing and and respond to it as the recipient of that father's love. Um Instead of feeling like, oh, no, now, because it would just be, once again, workspace. Oh, no, now I have to love like the father. I got to, you know, it like just adds a to-do list. And um, for me, I felt like it was very releasing in a way of like, no, just look at the father. Look how he's loving and then be thankful. And obviously that hopefully would lead to a response back toward God, back towards other people, but don't make that my focus of like mm-hmm. reading the story through a lens of a to-do list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like sometimes the headers in the Bible can <laughs> hinder us from being able to see the yeah. complete story because if you look it up, it literally said the prodigal yeah, son, exactly. right? As opposed to like what you're saying, it's probably about both. Yeah. It's, it's about the entire story, mm-hmm. like every element of what of Jesus's teaching is intentional, right? Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's always beautiful when you can get that revelation, so to speak, or when you can see it from a different perspective. Because, like you, I had never, I'd always kind of looked at his the older son's character as like the supporting role, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just added more on to the younger son. When in reality, even what I, you know, thanked you for on Sunday was like man I'm the I'm that guy like I'm the guy out in the field and I needed to hear what you had to say about yeah. that you know so uh, it is interesting how we can take for granted things that we hear and even not being heretical here but things that we read not that the yeah. headings in the bible are inspired or anything yeah. but you know what I mean yeah um you put emphasis on Jesus's Uh, audience and kind of before we jump into that though like jesus's answers right Mm -hmm. for someone like me if someone asked me a question it's like yes yes or no (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) but why do you think it's so important for jesus to to share that his answers in story manner or to have elaborate answers to things as opposed to maybe another method I mean I just don't know if a yes or no would ever suffice the complexity of who God is Mm -hmm. and his character and so that's why it's always so beautiful and crazy to me that 
something that has always been in my Bible for the entirety of my life. And I'm 34 reading it in preparation and realize, whoa, I'd never seen it from this. So just understanding my own interaction with his story response, knowing that that has proven over centuries for everybody who's ever been the audience or on the recipient end of his responses. Like, I, I just feel like that just more proves to me the complexity that is God and his character and things that don't make sense 99.9% of the time. And we're just trying to uncover and unpack who he is in all of his nonsensical, beautiful ways. So, um, yeah, so I, it's very Jesus because that's what we see him be when he's here on earth. Um, and how he responds to people, but it's still like it's crazy to me that he does he considers the whole. There's multiple people there. They all have different experiences in life and where they are currently, their relationship with him, and he knows how to respond in one story that speaks to everybody. Mm. Yeah, it's just crazy. And he's not just answering the questioner, right? He's saying it loud enough for everyone to hear, right? Yeah. And I think that was important to bring up and it gives new meaning to his answers and all the other parables or all the other questions that he, because there's more than, usually in the setting you can assume there's more than just the person asking the question around him. Yeah. Especially if it's saying Jesus was in the temple or Jesus was here. Um, obviously stuff like he's meeting Nicodemus one-on-one at night, but um yeah, in other settings, it's it gets me thinking a little bit more. Like, who else is in the room yeah. when he's saying this, and who else is hearing what he's saying? Do you think we oversimplify God? Like, do you think that we we try to simplify God because you're talking about the complexity of this story mm-hmm. as a way to understand or a way to recognize? God's complexity, right? Yeah. Is that something that we crave or is it just me and my personality? (laughs) Like I just want the, no, I think the human spirit, we just want, tell me what's right. Tell me what's wrong. Tell me what's is, what isn't like, I think there's security in that sometimes having like a very clear, um, but I think, yes, of course he is absolutely complex. And I don't think I don't think we could ever, we will never figure him out until we are there within his presence, you know, on the other side of eternity. Do I think we're going to even fully understand some things that here on earth make no sense? So I do think we try to simplify him because it's easier that way. It's take some pressure off. Um, But a lot of times I think when I've seen attempts at trying to simplify God, when you really look at it, it's people trying to get an answer of what it goes back to that works thing. Like, okay, what am I allowed to do? What I'm not allowed to do? You know, it's a kind of that same, it seems in the same spirit of when the Pharisees and scribes were asking him those questions, mm-hmm. like, or accusing him. It's in that same thing. They want to just know, hey, is this right or wrong? Or, you know, they're accusing that he's wrong for doing this. And he always turns around and he speaks back to them, but th- he's not, he's, he's addressing them and addressing what they're asking, but he's addressing more of root things. Like he's, he always goes back to the heart, which is, we know, heart is always more complex and what drives us and our thoughts and our emotions are always more complex than the thing we're asking on the surface. So I don't know if that answers you, but 
I think we I think we simplify. God. Yeah. Let's uh, put a parenthesis on this conversation really fast. Kay. How in the world did you get through security <laughs> with a screwdriver? They let me. Weird, huh? <laughs> and they opened the gate for you? I think you? they probably felt bad for me at that point. Um, yeah, I think they felt b- bad for me as I'm like telling, re- retelling the story as well as freaking out that we're going to miss our flight. But they let me through. It was a travel size. It was like maybe half size. But it had like all the different attachments if I needed to switch it out for like a flathead or a Phillips or an Allen wrench attachment. So, but they let me. Yeah. And if you're not sure what we're referring to, which, you know, in order to properly listen to after m- the message, you, you have listen, to have context. Listen to the message yeah. first. But Lindsay uh, shared a illustration, a story of real life events that had to do with airport security and a screwdriver so check out the message if you yeah. didn't get that first person in history to <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i'd be the first but it was definitely on a good no yeah i was thankful for the grace that i received that day yeah uh you kind of talked about the the older son maybe having a little bit of a skewed perspective uh and i know that's one of my that's one of my biggest fears. And I kind of talked to uh, Dr. Swoboda about that on the podcast was having bad theology. Right. Yeah. Like, and, um, not, not, not believing the right things or whatever, but in your, in your life and your experience, or maybe in, uh, advice or counsel to someone else, like what, how would you counsel someone or what would you say to someone about, correcting skewed perspective or encouraging them that they can get through their skewed like what's the redemption for the for the older son um i mean i loved i honestly i really did love what um aj dr aj swoboda (laughs) shared um i listened to that one and its entirety a couple times and i felt like um at the same time of both releasing the pressure of trying to get it right. Like he did a good job of realizing, Hey, we're all in process. We're all going to we're like him saying he goes back and reviews his stuff that he used to preach and was like, really? That's mm. what I, you know, I think the idea here is that open hands, open heart perspective that you realize we are all in process with God. And if you kind of keep that, posture i think we're going to allow god to reveal to us the areas that we get wrong along the way and hopefully fix it Mm -hmm. and change um because ultimately that is what repentance is that is that was the first step that the younger son and that we don't know if the older son did it but that would have been his first step too Mm -hmm. would be to turn see his wrongdoing and turn and so that repentance side of it um, but you have to be in a posture to repent you can't be um, with your you know perspective that you have it all right or you've got it together you have to realize that we will never have it all right and will not have it all together that's humanity Um, so it's both relieving in some ways Mm -hmm. but it's also a lot of hard work because it's not a free pass to just say well um you know, I can't get it right so mm-hmm. that there's no attempts at righteousness mm-hmm. or attempts at, you know, that that 
it, it, you kind of have to carry it in that weird tension. And so you never really will have resolve, but that's kind of, I guess the process that we're yeah. in. The journey, right? Yeah. What's what was what you said? Are you yeah. getting are you getting blown up on text messages over there on that new iWatch, Apple Watch? <laughs> Is that what you said? <laughs> the the iWatch. <laughs> it's definitely not called that, but I'm not. Oh, um, okay. I did get one this past week, yeah. right before Sunday, which led me to realize my nerves. I could maybe hide them from the congregation, maybe I don't know, but to myself and my Apple Watch, it told me Your I was iWatch. very. Yeah, my iWatch said I was very nervous. <laughs> so, taking um, my heart rate. Re- re- <laughs> um, okay, someone, you know, we, we you, you kind of mentioned that the that first step is repentance or kind of turning and realizing the direction that you need to be going. What's what does the journey look like after that? Right, like mm-hmm. someone, someone, for lack of a better phrase comes out of deconstruction on the other side like like okay i believe <laughs> help my unbelief what what do i go what do i do what what steps do i take i mean i can ideate yeah i've never gone through that sort of process to that place of deconstruction and being on the other side so you know i want to reserve a little bit of space there it's like i'm going to deduce but i don't know if um this is the proper thing i think on the other side um as using the example of both the younger and the older son the whole point was to just get be at the table in the presence of of god like being at this table which sounds very like okay that's a metaphor so what does that mean I think it can mean a lot for a lot of people, but I think the right being in right relationship with him, going back maybe to the basics of what that looks like, um, I think that would maybe be my first step. How do you re-engage with the basics, mm-hmm. um, the spiritual disciplines that are very clearly evident, pray, worship, community, some of those things that um, maybe through a series of your process of deconstruction, like the younger son running away, he wasn't around his friends. He wasn't around his family. He was trying to figure it out isolated. So re-engagement for him probably had to, he had to go have some conversations with people he hadn't seen in a while. He probably had to have some conversations with his dad and his brother. And like he had to re-engage to be present again. And for the older son, like we obviously don't know what he decided, but I think his process would have been similar. He would need to have walked through the threshold, go inside, engage. Um, I don't think it is going to be easy for either of them, but I think on the other side, go back to the basics and, um, and try to do your best to focus solely on God and his word. (laughs) Like, don't overcomplicate it at that point. Now mm. I know that may be in contradiction to us oversimplifying God, mm. but I think I'm saying don't over don't overcomplicate how to re-engage with God. Right. You know, we immediately think, okay, well now we need to go through all of these hoops and all of these steps. But as we see even in the story of the prodigal son, like God wasn't even asking the father wasn't even asking the younger son to go through a bunch of steps. He was just thankful he turned and returned and then he immediately 
was ready to be in relationship with him. Mm. So I think that's the kind of stuff when I'm saying don't overcomplicate it. Like you don't need to walk through a bunch of steps for re-engagement. Just mm. engage. Does God's mercy ever get old <laughs> to you? You know what I mean? Like the, because whenever I hear you or anybody kind of talk about this aspect of the father was ready, it still blows my mind every single time. Yeah. And it's, and it, it's still so hard to believe. And I think that that can be, that can be part of the issue, right? Yeah. The fact that, that's just too good to be true. And we even have theologies based around the fact that it that's just can't be right because it's too good to be true. Um, so there is one perspective of, well, yeah, we're not here to abuse God's or take advantage of God's mercy, right? Yeah. But the fact that it is available um, without asking a very pointed question what's your, what's your take on that <laughs> now i'm wondering what the pointed question would have been i'm not saying i want to answer it but <laughs> i don't have one oh okay one. got it <clears throat> so the original question was does god's mercy ever get old yeah i mean it just it's astounding to me every time i especially in this narrative you know yeah i don't think it gets old but i think when anything becomes difficult to understand or beyond even our human grasp uh, we we can have a tendency to discard it or or add things to it in order to make it make logical sense for us, mm. and I think that's you know religion. I think that we see that happen often. Um, I was even processing throughout the week, knowing that this new perspective was. I saw this new perspective of God and His love with the older son, and then processing it as I'm re- like real time, live time disciplining my children and mm. thinking like. You know, just it's just funny how like while you're preparing for something, God also kind of like challenges you at certain mm-hmm. moments in your own personal life. Um, so I don't think it ever gets old, but I do think when something something is hard for us to understand, we can have a tendency to either ignore it, rationalize it away, add things to help it kind of reconcile in our spirits. But no, I don't think it gets old, and that's why if we allow ourselves to look at God and look at these examples that are all around us in our own lives, but also in the text, we're astounded because it is hard to understand. Mm. It is hard. And it causes us to grapple with that idea of like, okay, wait, that's us. He's trying to love me that way. And I've added all of these things to my relationship with him, or I'm seeing this other person in my life with all these added things that I've put on them. And, and that's where I think we get in trouble. But, yeah, it's it's complex, but at the same time it's simple because we don't have to really do anything. Mm. We just have to be the recipient of, and that's hard for our brains. We want, we want you know, mm-hmm. a cleaner, okay, I have to do this, then you do this, and then it gets this. Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah, that's what makes it crazy. How do we, how do we realize that how would we identify the fact that we're in religion and not relationship like what because we've we've mentioned it a couple times throughout the series you know the distinction between and you even said you know sometimes we just pick up religion Mm -hmm. um what are some signs for someone that 
may not even be aware of the fact that they are caught in a cycle of religiosity as opposed to a relationship with God. Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, I think human tendency is to default to that, the idea of religion. We like, you know, cause and effect. We like, we do this, like I said, and this is the result. Um, I think the example of the older son, if you just maybe heard the message, maybe you didn't hear the message, you've never really studied it for yourself. I think that's a huge, um, for me, it was it was really challenging and helpful. Maybe start reading some of that stuff. Maybe dig into um, some of the narrative yourself and see if you get any sort of eye-opening experience from that. But I think from a very practical standpoint, what I was saying at the beginning of the message about taking inventory, that for me was that's that for me is something that I don't think we should ever stop really doing. Um, and that what that does, I think, is it allows you to, what is this thing that I'm believing? What is this thing that I'm is motivating me? Or asking some of those self-reflection kind of questions. And a lot of times emotions can be indicators of that. Like, what are the things that are getting you upset or bugging you? Or where are you finding frustration? Go to the core of that. Okay, a lot of times you'll figure out from that, okay, the thing that's really bugging me or the thing that's causing this is I believe this or I really am frustrated about how this happened. And that will typically highlight a belief, Mm -hmm. a core thing that's happening that you think someone should have treated you away or you're frustrated on an outcome. There's There's a belief attached to it. You believe something should have happened differently. Someone should have treated you differently. You should have responded differently. Something is going to be highlighted there and I think that's where whether it's speaking about it with a trusted friend or journaling about it but regardless of what that reveals to you is what I was saying is taking it and putting it up against the word of God finding where the contradictions are because that's where we can find the highlighted moments of oh wait a second I'm believing something that was never intended for me to believe Um, That's not easy, and I don't know if that's the one way. I don't know if you have a different experience or perspective in moments that you've realized, okay, this is probably religion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is me trying to make something logical that's not supposed to be logical. Or, Mm. But, yeah, I don't know if you have a different thought or perspective. I mean, (laughs) my my propensity is to always (laughs) go to that just because I'm— it makes more sense to me like well yeah i need to do this because it's the right thing to do right yeah. or <clears throat> god asked us to do this i'm going to do it <laughs> so yeah. um so i i'm definitely a little bit more i need to be more cautious of that i think and it's even something that has been uh brought to the surface throughout this series that i don't know if God's dealing with me on it yet, but I know that I'm dealing with me on <laughs> on mm-hmm. it at, at this point in time. So trying to walk through that yeah. with God, you know? Yeah. And I think that was the part of the older son's story that was so um, challenging for me is how near in proximity the older son was, but yet he was not reaping any of the benefits you know if you want to call them he was not even in relationship with his father 
he was near but he was far in his heart and so that what I would say it would be the ultimate heartbreak for me is that you know even thinking through my own children I would hate it to to fast forward down the road and know that I was around them we were you know in physical proximity but far in relationship and far in heart and I know um we all have a tendency to do that and that's how um I think that can be an indicator for us is what's your motivator what's are you trying to do it because it's being asked of you or are you trying to do it because it's a response to your your love and relationship for God Mm. and with God but the beautiful thing is he loves both sons equally he Mm. pursued both sons equally um so I don't think he looks at it and go, oh, well, I have more love for the younger son and I'm going to lavish him differently. No, I think it's available to whatever, who, whichever son and, and whoever you are and wherever you are in your journey. Um, but it does require us to turn, be aware of us being far from him. Um, yeah. Last thing for you, someone that's, um, they're ready to kind of re-engage, right? And one of the things that you mentioned was uh, community, but perhaps part of their apprehension is the community. Mm-hmm. What What would you say to that person? Like, yeah, I mean, part of the reason why I started questioning things was because of church or because of the setting, the Christian setting that I was in. Like, how w- how would you encourage them to to take that next step would you tell them to do something different I mean what what would you what would you say yeah I mean that's that's hard because obviously it can there can be varying degrees of hurt pain trauma things that can come from the community that maybe you left from Um, so it's hard to give one answer but I feel like for maybe the majority of people um, I think you need to go through your own process of healing before you just try to jump back in. And I think what I mean by that is um, in those settings, you have to be very aware of what boundaries are, of what um, I think a lot of this was brought up during our mental health panel. There are things that can happen both to you um, or within you that can help you know, okay, this is a measure measuring that something's happening, either I'm being, you know, verbally abused, or maybe, mm. maybe it's not even that, maybe it's manipulation, or it can be subtle, more subtle things, but I think you need to go through some process um, that can get you to a place that you know if something's healthy or not, because if you're responding, if you've come from a season of pain, and then you en- re-enter an environment that can maybe look similar, or maybe be re-triggering, you have to know, if, is it triggering for an actual right, like, is there really a reason why it's triggering, or is it because I've just not fully healed from um, an environment that looks similarly? So I would say maybe make sure you've done personal work, and hopefully you have, um, but man, God created us for community. We have to be in community with humans. We cannot walk this life isolated, and so while I know it can be hard and painful whatever we walk through with people especially in the faith community because it can be so intertwined with like your faith in God and your faith in people and it can just get messy but God created us for community so I would just say do the work 
do your best. And then sometimes you have to do baby steps. It's okay to do a phased approach. Um, start slow, but but you need it. So you can't just, you know, that cliche, throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> I'm really bad at cliches. That's why I hesitate to say them. Well, I called your watch an <laughs> eye watch, so. That's true. <laughs> But I think in that similar, like you can't just throw it all the way, but I can understand and empathize with that process of maybe things would be triggering and maybe you don't. And, and the problem is, is like there's no guarantee because humans mm. are humans. And no matter where you try to choose to re-engage, it's never going to be 100% safe, well-meaning or not, you know. So humans are humans and they will never not be a human. So um, you're bound to trip and stumble but that should never be a good enough excuse that you don't do the thing that you were created to do and that's to be in community so I don't think I have a clean answer but I don't normally <laughs> I typically talk in more circles but I definitely think it's important to re-engage but make sure you do some healing and it's fine to do baby steps and really make sure that there's spaces of trust that you're building you're not just going in like fully exposing who you are and mm. <laughs> you know you kind of have to do that incrementally yeah uh, I'm about to hit stop on the recording and um, we'll close the series you get the last word wow anything else I didn't want the last word that's why I was so like reluctant to even speaking on Sunday I was like I this is, has been a weighty subject and series for me like I didn't even feel like I felt like I was learning things and who am I then to put a you know end period on this series so I don't know I just um, I did really love the fact that we got to just talk about the simple but profound idea of who God is and his love and how he wants to be with us and so like if anything can give us hope, if anything can give us reassurance that we will be okay, is that we're not doing any of this alone. And so I think wherever we are, whatever, where we're, wherever we will find ourselves, because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know if there's pain or trauma on the other side of something. Um, but we do know who will be with us regardless. And so find rest, find peace, find reassurance in that even though it may be hard and painful things ahead like you can't ensure none of that will happen but we can ensure who we're going to be with so that was very um, helpful for me as a reminder not only for myself but in these processes where I've seen my friends and my family members walk through like God is with and ready to re-engage with anybody so yeah and with that and with that <laughs> we conclude uh this season of after the message and uh thank you guys so much for for joining us we're we're honored that you would uh and we also if you're in the orlando area and you want to come hang out with us on a sunday be sure to do so um and stay tuned for a new season of after the message whenever that may be <laughs> i'm assuming it's going to be in the fall but uh so thankful for you guys. If there's anything we can do for you, please reach out. But until next time. Thank you for joining us for After the Message. To learn more about Celebration Church here in Orlando, you can follow us on social media under the handle at CelebrationORL or visit our website at celebrationORL.org.